When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When something happens to your car, you might say... But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Morenita a deep dive into the Latinx experience. With Morenita, we want to create a community and a shared space with you while sharing knowledge and inspiration. This show is about celebrating our culture with guests who exemplify the best of us. I'm Darlene Castillo, y te invito. Hey everyone, coming up is my interview with Congressman Adriano Espaillat. We love that convo and we can't wait for you to hear it. But we wanted to do something a little different to start the show today. It is Black History Month, and next week we have a conversation with the voice winner, Javier Colon, followed by a podcast team-up with Broadway Plus on the 22nd. So we thought today was a perfect time to have a conversation about Black History Month and what it means to me. What we did was we turned on the mic and taped some of the conversations we've been having off air and decided to share it with you. You'll hear one of my favorite producers, Carlos, and I discussing some issues, and then we'll follow up with our conversation with the congressman. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Darlene, how are you feeling today? I am feeling great on this beautiful, beautiful Monday in Atlanta. (laughs) You are in Atlanta currently on a show. Yes, I am performing um, in a show called Dream House, uh, playing at the Alliance Theater. Um, we're on our last week of the run, which is crazy because a month and a half has passed by. Like, where does the time go? That is insane. We were hoping to give the listeners an opportunity to hear something a little bit different today. So without further ado, it's Black History Month. It is. I feel like it's always Black History Month for me. Is that, is that right? <laughs> it's it's Black History every day. It should be for everybody, but it doesn't. But we, you know, they only get the month. You know, we'll take what we can get. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does it feel? What does it mean to you? What does Black History Month mean to you? You know that that look that question is very loaded because growing up being Dominican, right, and in my household, I mean, it was never ignored that we were of color. You know, my, I, I mean, I know you hear people always hear like, oh, 
Dominicans and Puerto Ricans deny their blackness or this and that. Like I didn't come from that kind of family. I didn't come from that. I don't, I don't want to say family. I didn't come from that kind of home. My mother and father, they didn't build that kind of, um, that kind of foundation in the house. Um, around my mother and my father, you know, there were, there was denial and there's denial of, of their blackness. Um, or even when I would say I was black, my grandma would be like, you're not black. You know, negra, you know, like you're not black. And, and, and that's just the denial, you know, of, of the blackness where my skin is black. I mean, we can't deny that, you know, maybe my, my grandmother can, cause she's lighter complexion, a lot lighter and, and can pass. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, I don't have that privilege and neither did my mother and neither did my father. So um, being black was not a not an unknown thing. However, when my mother remarried and um, to my stepfather, who is African-American, blackness was like highlighted in my in my house even more, you know. So um, I feel like I had like the best worlds of growing up of this awareness. Um, and also I had somebody teach me in my household, like the history of the history that I'm a part of, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's something that has always stuck with me in my years in my adulthood. It's like, I, I was able to have a connection to my blackness and realize that I'm actually a part of that. I'm not separate. My Latinidad does not make me completely separate, separated from that. Okay. So you said so much to unpack there. When I really did. I'm so sorry. No. That was a very long run on. <laughs> no, it's great. It's a podcast. We can just keep on taping. Um, yes. So when you say your grandmother, she would deny blackness. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that comes from? What's what's the source of that? What do you think the source of that is for, like, as you said, for us Boricuas and Dominicans? And what is it that makes us want to deny our blackness? Whew. Should I go get some wine? <laughs> yeah. Is it too early? For, is it too early for wine? No. Um, uh, I mean, God, that's a deep rooted question, too, because there's so much that's that um, we can unpack there with the historical context of everything. But OK, so it goes along with so many things. It's like even with hair. I'm, and I'm, I might go a little off topic here, but hair is mean, a great place to start. Know, Absolutely. Yeah. Hair is a great place to start. I remember like like clockwork. It's like before I went to see my family, we're going to the salon, we're going to straighten our hair, we're going to get our hair blow dried. Mm -hmm. And then the days that, mm -hmm. you know, my mom didn't have the time to blow dry my hair. And I would go with my pajon, <laughs> with with the, the messy hair, right? With the natural hair. The minute I walked in, my aunt, grandma, everybody, oh, we have to go to the, Darlan has to go to the salon before we go to the family event or this or that. It's like, so there was there was always this erasing of yeah. <laughs> the naturalness of the identity, you know, and and that's something that's stuck in my mind um, from a young age. I don't think, you know, my mother, my father never that was never like a focus for them. But like, you know, when you go to visit the uh, you go to visit your abuela or whatever, that was it was a big deal, you know. And I remember feeling like a lot of shame. You know, like when I would come in with my pajong and 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 like, or if, if my mom didn't do my hair before, I remember being like anxious mm -hmm. about even walking in with my hair like this yeah. or my hair in the natural state. Um, I mean, I just think it goes so far back, so much farther than we could even imagine that it's it's just 
the culture just wants to erase that part of us. And I think it's just conditioned in past generations as a as a natural way of thinking. You yeah. know? I mean, to this to this day, I walk in with maybe I don't get it as much as I used to because, you know, obviously now a lot of a lot more people are embracing the naturalness. And I mm-hmm. think that the older generation is kind of looking at things a little differently, mm-hmm. you know, with a little bit more em- empathy um, and more thought. Um, so I think th- things now are a little different, but, you know, there's still times where I, I do walk in and 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 my grandmother's like, Ay, mira ese pajón, bueno, like it is beautiful, pero un pajón. <laughs> like, you know? yeah. So um, I don't know if that's ever going to be something that the past generation can look past yeah. <laughs> and change. But um, yeah, I mean, they're trying, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's one of the ways that Black History Month has evolved is that instead of just celebrating, I mean, obviously the term is Black history, but aside mm-hmm. from understanding people who have brought these issues to light when you, you know, Martin Luther mm-hmm. King's always brought up, right? Because of the civil rights movement and yeah. Malcolm X and other leaders, Medgar Evers, all these leaders in the civil rights movements. But I think more and more as the month has evolved, it's become the things that you're talking about where people can start discussing what conditioning does mm. to people all over the place. And especially difficult and brings me back to the other thing you said about your father. You know, really, it's incredibly difficult for uh, Latinos. We are of both worlds at all times when we're in Mm -hmm. the United States. You know, we're neither American nor are we fully Latin. And so it's even more difficult for a person of darker skin color. So tell me about that experience when your father, your, your stepfather, started celebrating that blackness. What was the sea change there for you? Carlos, it was like my eyes, you know, like when you're when you're a little kid and your eyes just start getting like wider and wider and wider and wider. And you're like, whoa, you know, so that was the feeling for me growing up. And 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 I also want to add, I was very, very fortunate, um, you know, at a very young age to travel. My mother and my stepfather made it a very big priority to travel. I mean, like we went to Amsterdam when I was like 13. We did London, Paris and we have family in Spain. So we went, we did a whole month trip in Europe and, and, um, you know, we would go to DR and just go to just travel, like just to, just to show. And also my stepfather is a history, he was a history teacher. Um, and he loves history. Um, not only that, you know, he he also went to law school and, and he's just a brilliant, a brilliant man. Uh, Melvin Shaw, he's brilliant. Um, and he um, just, I think, always wanted to expose me. And my mom supported that and was like, yeah, you're right. And like, you know, they they both work in the educational field, in the education mm-hmm. field. Um, so that was important. That was like a big deal. And there were and, you know, we had books and books and books in the house and and mel you know if i'm and and you know melvin my stepfather knew that i had a love for art yeah so how does he speak to me through art right he speaks to me by yeah. showing me who nat king cole is he speaks to me yeah. you know through going through not just michael jackson's hits but his entire entire like album and sitting through discussing with me talking about it he goes through by being like who's ella fitzgerald and and that's when like my eyes were like whoa, whoa, whoa. And, you know, yeah. and, and realizing that I'm a part of this and I, 
I'm not detached from this just because I'm Latina mm-hmm. or um, I speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. So um, it's the reason of who I am today. It's the reason of why my connection is with my Blackness today. It's the reason why I don't ignore that part of me. It's the reason why I, I believe it should be highlighted. And and also I want to like, because I want to say too, like there's times like, you know, where I've been around, um, you know, some of my Black friends and my African-American friends and they're like, Oh, you're not black. You're you're Spanish, you know. Or even I've been around some of my white friends, and they're like, "You're not black. You're Spanish." Like I wouldn't look at you and be like, and I was like, you know what? Let's also like break something down. Let's talk about race and ethnicity, Carlos. For sure, you can be black and you can be Latino. 100%. You can be a white Latino. You can be a brown Latino. You can be right both of those things. And to deny one is to not complete yourself as a whole, Absolutely. and that is just. And, you know, there's people that are like, oh, it's not our month. It's it's not Latino Heritage Month. And I'm like, well, for me, it's it is my a part of my month. Yes. You know, I I have black experience and I I identify as such. And um, unfortunately, like, you know, I've dealt with a lot of racism and a lot of things yeah. in, in my world. So, you know what? I got my black card like. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> enough enough so yeah yeah i think that's something that you grapple with every week on the show with with your guests is the Mm -hmm. it's so reductive to say that you can only be one identity to reduce everyone down to only being one thing and i think that again goes back to the conditioning that we talked about earlier where it does allow for this purity and i'm using air quotes Mm -hmm. here but this purity that has always been this test and that we're finally moving away from where you don't have to be one thing you we are all many 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 things we are all a mix with this beautiful blend of different things and so that's what the show celebrates every single week absolutely and i think that's what you're trying to engage and you're trying to get out of all of these guests that we have on here is you're trying to understand how it is that they live in this world being so many different things identifying in so many different ways and mm-hmm. and so that's why i thought this conversation was so interesting about black history month because it is a celebration of what African-Americans have done in this country. And it's wonderful. Absolutely. I think the more that the Latino community becomes aware of the impact that people, as you said, Martin Luther King has had on our community, mm-hmm. and we can show appreciation for that. Mm-hmm. It just opens arms, even from from the Black community, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, be, to realize like, oh, we are all in this together. We're all here. Because there's also this like, this separation, right? It's like even Latinos and even Blacks, like it's like, oh, we we have to have our separate thing. They're not invited to the cookout. Like they're not. Right. And it's like, and it's like at the end of the day, like <laughs> we all kind of support each other. Yeah. And if there's and if there's a Black Latino, like they should be invited to the cookout. It's a Black Latino. You know what I Absolutely. mean? If they have that Black experience and they have that connection to that, to that culture, then I mean, I, I truly believe that once the Latino community, especially like the Afro Latino community and the Black Latino, the Black community can come together and work together. Like it's just, we're, the more we are in numbers, the the more powerful we are. I wouldn't want to say it's missing much because I think that we do have to respect at the root and the core mm-hmm. of the history. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a respect that needs to be given. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, I just... As I said, I think that we are more in numbers when we're together. Mm-hmm. And to I it. feel like right now we're living in a society where everyone wants their own. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants their like, you know, like, no, well, like, 
well, we're the we're the Afro Latinos on the East Coast, and we're the Afro Latinos on the West Coast. Like you stay no. over there, and it's like I understand that we we all have those different experiences. However, the one thing that connects us is our blackness, <laughs> or the one thing that connects us is our language. Sure. Um, and I think that the one thing I would love to see in change is more of us coming together. Now, now listen, that 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 could be a fairy tale. You know, I love a good happy ending. <laughs> I'm a romantic, sure. okay. I'm a rom I'm a you know, I love things like that, but that would be a beautiful thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're getting there. I think we are getting there. I don't think we're far, we're way far off. I think we are coming to a place where people are respecting the intricate layers that other people are <laughs> like yeah. you know people are not just just looking at things in a one way you know i mean of course you still have a couple groups and those groups that do that but it's like i think we're getting somewhere where people are like you know really diving deep yeah. into each other's experiences a little bit more like i mean we're able to do this show you know and, mm -hmm. and and there's a bunch of other great shows and a bunch of other great platforms and things that are highlighting things like this and that's what we need that's what we're doing i think we're doing the work slowly but surely when you buy a new house you might say shut the front door winning no seriously shut the front door we own this house now but you actually need to say like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Today, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Congressman Adriano Espaillat, Congressman Espaillat is currently serving as the representative for New York's 13 congressional district, which covers Upper Manhattan, Harlem, and Washington Heights. The congressman and I had a great conversation today about how race matters, how we can affect change in our neighborhoods, and how we can all serve. Hello, Congressman Adriano. Good to meet you. I'm Darilin Castillo from Morenita. So happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's an absolute honor and a pleasure. Um, I guess we're just going to dive right into it. I want to hear about your path to Congress. How did you get from Santiago to Washington Heights, y después to Washington, D.C.? 
Pan American Airlines is not around anymore. Yes. <laughs> yes, I came in the 60s. Uh, my grandparents had been here in the city before I was even born. They've been here. They were here since the 50s. Um, they lived in Washington Heights. They first lived in the in the West Side in the 80s. Many people don't know that Dominicans, the 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 roots, right, the origin of our diaspora is on the West Side of Manhattan in the, in the 80s. Yeah, you had a bunch of like a single occupancy hotel. My grandmother lived in the Embassy Hotel mm. and several other hotels, including the Beacon, which is now a, a big fancy. And and uh, <laughs> theaters there. So then they when they met when they reunited with their families when they brought their kids to the United States and their families, they needed bigger apartments. So that's when we began to come uptown. I came in the sixties, nineteen sixty four, the end of sixty four to Washington Heights, different place back then. Um, we were just a handful, uh, not many of us, but uh, got involved in 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 community stuff. Uh, went to school, went to college, and when I came back, you know, got involved in, in formal politics. So it was a tough journey because um, the, even the, Demo the our party, my party, the Democratic Party, wasn't always welcoming. It was uh, mm. uh, a party, continues, I think, to be a party that doesn't uh, see on, on their lateral sides. They just see forward and they don't see what's happening around them. And uh, as a result, we get caught by surprise, you know, and we don't uh, we don't necessarily usher people in from new communities, uh, new neighborhoods. Uh, we sort of like pull up a wall, and I think that's a big disadvantage. But got involved in community stuff. It was during the '60s, the war in Vietnam, civil rights movement, like the Abril back home. We saw how that many of the constitutionalists. The young guys that fought uh, the U.S. invasion were coming to the United States. So all of that was like a perfect storm that disallowed me to do anything but politics. So mm. that's uh, <laughs> pretty much the origin of it. Um, and uh, my family, of course, had a lot to do with it as well. So I'm curious on a personal level, uh, what draws you to public service? I mean, let's be real, you know, with the country, the way that it is right now, it, it doesn't it doesn't look from outside like a very uh, fun, uh, fun a, a job. So I'm just curious what you know, what is it for public service that draws you? Full contact sport. But at the root of it, for me, it's the same kind of feeling that I had when my grandmother used to force me to go translate for her friends at a local clinic or something like that. <laughs> used to cut into my baseball time and I didn't like it, but <laughs> but it was service. It was service. It's the same feeling when I try to help out tenants that were facing uh, a bad situation and we needed to organize a building. It's the same feeling uh, when we organize against crack. Uh, it's, it hasn't really changed for me. I mean, it's uh, the little guy. How do you help the one that doesn't have the voice, right? Mm -hmm. The rich... Folks have lawyers and uh, certified public accountants and great insurance plans and have a doorman and their garbage gets picked up on time. And, and so they can fence off by themselves. Uh, their issues is like taxes and things of that nature. But mm -hmm. the person that doesn't have that uh, then gets bounced around. Usually what happens is they get bounced around 
And he, they eventually said, well, let me go to my local politicians. Maybe, maybe he could write a letter for me. Maybe he could push. You know, so when they get to me, in many cases, uh, their problems are so severe that it really takes mm-hmm. a lot of push to, to resolve them. But we're there. So like in the trenches, it's like the last resort in many cases. And they come to us with a whole host of problems. And that's why I'm in this, you know, primarily for constituent services. Then there's a, the legislative side of it, and there's the um, fiscal side of it, the money that you draw into the district, and the legislation that you pass, and public policy. But my my niche is, is really constituent services. That's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. What position did you play in baseball? I was a third baseman with bad knees. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got to Congress, they got a congressional baseball team, and they said, well, here comes the Dominican guy. I said, you know, I'll hit. But I can't run. I won't run. I won't run to first base, not with my bad knees. So um, focusing on some of the the issues um, that we've been seeing and um, experiencing in the country, uh, since the murder of George Floyd, this country has been going through a long overdue examination of race in America. And in a November Pew Research report, 62% of Latinos said that having darker skin affects them getting ahead. How do we begin addressing institutional racism in our own community? Race, race matters, right? I think it matters every time, all the time, uh, even in the hallways of Congress, I think. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if you could ever sort of like do away with it, but you can certainly uh, institute the the laws that will prevent you prevent them from, or uh, 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 most importantly, stop them right at the tip of your nose, right? Because someone that has power uh, could could hurt you because of race. Someone that doesn't have power could try to hurt you, or maybe could hurt you a little bit, but not like someone with power. So. Those people that with power, that that economic power, political power, social power, now in social media, those are the folks mm-hmm. that have power. We have to have uh, some kind of a, a, an effort to have legislation to stop them right at the tip of your nose, so they don't right. hurt you, right? And so and right. so that I don't know if we are ever uh, sort of like eliminated because it's a social ill of of, of historical components, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole, you know, slavery and how and how uh, the slave trade was was uh, strategized and the role that people like from the DR and the and the Caribbean, you know, played uh, uh, geographically how those islands were utilized for this. You know, this mm-hmm. is just this is a magnitude of, of things that that I don't know if we'll be able to resolve them or eliminate them uh, in our lifetime, but. I think that we could stop somebody right at the tip of our nose. Yeah, I love that. I think um, speaking right when you see it, I think that's something and having the courage to um, speak out on it and stop it before it continues to spread. <laughs> that's, I think, the goal that we should have towards racism. Absolutely. Um, so you and I are both fellow Washington hiders. Yes. So something that's just... Every time I go back home, every time I go back up to the Heights, Inwood, Dykeman, Locasea, up there, I see a lot of corporate places, but 
it's difficult to see a lot of locally owned businesses now. And we're seeing more renters of apartments, but we're not seeing our people owning these apartments. Um, as we know, or owning property is so important to building wealth and generational wealth. So how can we get there? How do we stop this hallowing of our neighborhoods? How do we how do we bring our community together so we can build that wealth and generational wealth? I mean, it's a very loaded question, but. You know, that's a good question because as I said earlier, I have been in this, in, in the, in the neighborhood since the sixties. Right. Mm-hmm. And my parents, in fact, there's my, my cousin has an apartment on, on 157th street that belonged to my grandmother and my uncle. And I think it's been with us for maybe 50, 60 years with the same phone mm-hmm. number, by the way. Oh my gosh. And the rent is really cheap. I wish I could have that. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we've been around for a long time and things uh, yeah. evolved, right? And and I remember mm-hmm. when we weren't uh, the majority, uh, when mm-hmm. we were uh, a minority, a small group, right? Trying to like push our way in. And uh, I remember when the neighborhood was, uh, you know, predominantly, Inwood was predominantly Irish, you know? Irish. And Washington yeah. Heights was. Uh, Jewish and um, and Cuban and Greek and so and Puerto Rican and, and African American. You know, I, I remember those days. So that things evolve, and and so the bodegas that were there in all four corners somehow they were able to have a bodega in each of the four corners. I don't know how. <laughs> I believe it. Look at Starbucks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so uh, that has evolved, right? And you mm-hmm. no longer have all four corners. You may have one now. But, you know, then we have more people like you. And more of our young people are lawyers and nurses and teachers and police officers. That's like the biggest uh, ethnic group in the New York City Police Department graduating classes, mm-hmm. Dominicans. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we lost two of them this, this past week. And so... Uh, you know, we're at every level of society, artists, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, doctors and scientists and professors and firefighters. And so those folks now uh, look at life differently, right? They're not necessarily going to mm-hmm. go for the bodega, right? They're not going to pick up yeah. their father's bodega and pull it through. You know, they're just not going to do that. That's, that's how we are evolving. And so how do we maintain our presence there right in mm-hmm. the heights right how do we yeah. uh leave our permanent fingerprints in a positive way to show what we did right because had we not come in from the 80s right uh, from columbus and in, in amsterdam where we were from originally and moved uptown when those communities left that were there before us Northern Manhattan could have been like the South Bronx. It could have gone up in flames. Mm. But it was through our hard work and, you know, your mothers, my mother, my father, my grandparents working in factories and and in different types of jobs that kept the neighborhood alive. And I still think that even though there's changes, it's still the only real neighborhood in the city of New York. I I still walk through St. Nicholas Avenue that maybe there are a bit less number of vendors there, but the lady that sells Abichuela Conduce is still there in 182nd mm-hmm, Street. Mm-hmm. And the guy that says, sells the, past, uh, the pastelitos is still on Wadsworth in 181st Street, right? 
Right. So, and the guy that sells the temple to, to kill the, the roaches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he just brought me back. <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, he used to say temple, temple, you know, it'll, yes, take, your ro- yes. it'll take the roaches. <laughs> the way he used to say was, it'll take the roaches and, 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 uh, the mice. And on a good weekend, it'll take your mother-in-law too. <laughs> That's what I used to say. <laughs> Listen. We got to support our people, though. I think that's the overall, you know, we have to support. Washington Heights is synonymous with us. It's still the center of a, tra- it's the mothership, right? So when I go to Rhode Island and Providence, they think they got it all over there. I say, I bring oh, you yeah. greetings. I, th- I think I bring you greetings from the mothership, right? And then they get upset. Right. You know, but right. You go to Lawrence, Massachusetts, <laughs> or Patterson, New Jersey. I say, you know, I bring you greetings from the mothership. Because everyone yeah. has a, a relative or a friend or a story connected to the Heights, right? That's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now that it's on the big screen, right? Um, maybe, <laughs> you know, so how do we how do we uh, keep that, right? Permanently, right? How mm-hmm. do we build mm-hmm. a, a cultural and performing arts center of caliber, right? That could track our, our story of the diaspora, right? Right. And how do you do that? And how do you uh, still push so that we're not gentrified out of the uh, out of the neighborhood? How do you build wealth, generational wealth, so we can stay? What I find is people like you, young professionals, not want to come back, but they, you know they want to live in a place that they they feel comfortable in. So we had to provide that for them. That's the challenge. But I I love the neighborhood, and I think it still got spunk. And, you know, I think it's the, I go all around the city and there's very few places that are like the Heights. Uh, you know, uh, other places are sort of like dramatically changing and they're really corporate. But the Heights still yeah, has yeah. that lady that looks Tenemos up. Tenemos sazón. Sí, la señora que mira por la ventana <laughs> con los rolos. Dice, oye, para eso. <laughs> Se lo voy a decir a tu mamá. <laughs> that was me like four weeks ago. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> When something happens to your car, you might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
It's an election year, our favorite time of the years. Um, so I'm curious, what are the issues? Election is every year for me. I know. That's, that's what I, I was going to say for you. It's every year. So it's always a, a adventurous time. But what are the issues that you will be focused on this year? Well, I mean, I think that the issue of uh, of violence, of gun violence, seems to be front mm. and center, right? Because we yes. lost those two officers because a young woman got shot and killed in Burger King in East Harlem, in my district, because a young 11-month-old baby uh, got shot in the face in the Bronx part of the district. That's all within a week. It shakes, it shakes the neighborhood up, and, and it should, right? And so how yep. do we continue to fight to get uh, um, guns off the streets? And then you still have COVID, you know, still around us. So, so how are we going to, what's the post-COVID uh, era going to be going to be like? What are small businesses are going to be like? How are they going to be able to survive? How are people going to be able to pay up that back rent they got? You know, mm. so we got to build an infrastructure of legal services to protect them. So there's no massive evictions yeah. in the district. And, uh, and we got to continue to bring resources for, for uh, the small businesses, which are the main employers of the neighborhood. It's not the big corporation, mm. it's, it's those small businesses that provide most of the jobs for people in the neighborhood. So those are the great challenges, you know, generational challenges. And this pandemic, you know, has put us in a different track. And so, you know, it's normal now to wear the mask, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't leave home without it in somewhere, right? And, and so uh, how do we reinvent ourselves? Um, those things that got mm -hmm. us, that manifested themselves because of the pandemic, you know, our diabetes, our high blood pressure, asthma rates, all mm -hmm. the things that killed us during the pandemic, we got to deal with now, right? Guys like yep. me, right? Uh, over, <laughs> over 35, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guys like me, we got to talk about this, right? La fritura. Absolutely. El queso yeah. frito, you know what I mean? Are we going to eat that? <laughs> you know, are we going to get a country club and put leche condensada in it? That's like a sugar bomb, right? Right. Right. And so, and so we got to talk about our health and we got to talk about uh, how we're going to do, uh, what we're going to do in our, in our economy, right? We're going to talk about our, our hospital and our healthcare system. Did it fail us, right? Did it not answer the call? Mm. And how we could we do better uh, mm -hmm. health-wise so that next time, you know, we can survive. You know, we lost yep. a lot of people. And we were in the mental health services because now, you know, you lost your mom, you lost your dad, you couldn't say goodbye to them. You lost your job. You shut down your business. You were in the hospital fighting for your life for two months. Hmm. You know, this is all now a collective trauma, right? Right. And it's, it's manifesting itself. Some people seem to think that the violence spree is very much connected to, to this uh, traumatic experience we had. Uh, during right. the pandemic. So, yes. Uh, it's time to heal. <laughs> time to heal, right? Take a deep breath and heal, right? And, you know, I put my meditation music in, in Alexa, you know, in my, in my apartment. And, Me too. That's that's my, that's I'm like, Alexa, play calming music. <laughs> you know, meditation, you say meditation, that's the station that, 
There, yes. Alexa's going off. I, there she is. <laughs> Alexa always listens. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying her name. Um, <laughs> we finish every interview here on Moranita with the same question. And I want to ask that question to you. What is the one thing that reminds you of home, however it is that you define home? That's a loaded question you just gave me. Look at that smile, Congressman. <laughs> you know why that's a loaded question? Because I have two mm. homes. I have mm -hmm. Santiago and then I have Washington Heights, right? Mm -hmm. Home to me is like the hustle and bustle of, uh, of St. Nicholas Avenue. That's home. The smell of St. Nicholas Avenue, right? The noise, yeah. right? The, that's home. Uh, for, for me, Santiago is like una cerveza fría frente al monumento. Presidente. Presidente. <laughs> Con Clamato. I don't know who, yes. brought in, who brought in the Clamato. It must have been a Mexican-American, you know, Michelada or something like that. But we took it. We took it and we ran with it. <laughs> Congressman, thank you so much for your time. I know your schedule is very busy. Invite me back. Really appreciate way, it. Uh, we I want will. you to be part of Dominicans on the Hill. Hey, I would absolutely love to. Actually, if you don't mind expressing what that is and want to let our listeners know. Sure. This every every year for the month of February, at the end of the, this month, we have Dominicans on the on the hill. Unfortunately, we're going to have to have it for the second year uh, remotely because of the pandemic. But usually, we would have it in Washington, and hundreds thousands of people used to come. And so, we'll invite you for this year. We'll send you the links, and you can tune in, and we'll have. Big Papi, who's going into the Hall of Fame, <laughs> and we're going to have Dr. Fauci, and we're going to have uh, a discussion about gun violence and and reforming the police between uh, Fausto Pichallo, who was a former chief of police for the New York City Police Department, and young people. Uh, we're going to have a real good discussion and uh, fun. Fefita La Grande, you know, other people <laughs> will be there. Yes. We're going to have a tribute for Johnny Ventura. His son is going to be yes, there. Yes, Johnny so, Ventura. So, Caballo Mayor. So we're going to have really some fun and some learning, right? And education. And so please tune in. Looking forward to that. Again, thank you so much, Congressman. Thank you for your time. Have a wonderful day. We want to thank the congressman for giving us time during his busy schedule. The congressman mentioned Dominicans on the Hill, and I also wanted to note that on February 10th, he will be hosting a virtual Black History Month event on his Facebook page. So check that out. It's an election year. If you are not registered to vote, go register now. If you are, start reading up on the issues. Find out what's important to you and go out and make your voice heard. Together, we can all make a difference. Nos vemos. Morenita is a production of Sonoro in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes y tienes 19 años o más, 52, 36, 42, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antinomocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar20. When something happens to your car, you might say... But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.